On this edition of the National Hockey League, the latest chapter in the Calgary Hockey Arena debate, and we're going to answer a real pressing question for beleaguered hockey listener Eric. If you're a fan of strong opinions loosely held and widely spread, you're in the right place. National Hockey League. Dave, here we are once again, and it's as though there's only three issues that we ever get to talk about in this podcast, which is the hockey rink and two other issues. And um, <laughs> the, high, the the arena thing just keeps getting new and fresh, and uh, it's it's like days of our lives. It's like you, if you, you could miss it for a month, and it would be, you know, it would just kind of continue. What am I trying to say here? I'm just really frustrated and pissed off about the way the arena conversation is going. Because we're not getting any further down the road. Well, I think it's the whole election thing, right? It's tied into the election now. And, you know, if you believe the flames, then uh, the Nenshi fired the first shot by uh, taking John Cornish out for a walk around the East Village <laughs> and talking about what his plan was. Uh, and if you believe Nenshi, uh, the flames just decided to insert themselves into city politics in the hopes that they'll get a mayor who's a little more uh, likely to do what they want him to do. All right. Look, I, there's no avoiding this conversation. We should do it right off the top. So I feel like instead of stammering through the intro of this podcast, I should have just played Johannes. <clears throat> Let me clear my throat. Yeah. So you nailed it right there, Dave, when you said, you know, the flames inserting themselves into this municipal election, obviously in the hopes that they'll get a more um, arena project friendly candidate. Like what I would like to have happen here is for somebody to not politic on how the business is being handled between the flames and the city, but instead to make the case for taxpayer dollars funding so much of the arena. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, the Flames are never going to do that because they know it's it's a losing battle, right? If, as soon as they try to make sense of it economically, they're, they're finished because they know that it doesn't make sense economically. Because if it did, if it was a good idea to make a stadium that costs that much money and if they felt that they could make a crap ton of money by doing it, they would have done it already. They're not doing that. They want someone else to pay for it. Why? Because it's cheaper if someone else pays for it. Every business in the city wants someone else to build a building for them and then let them keep 100% of the profits. Oh, and not pay property taxes. Oh, and can you let people be on the LRT for free to come to our games on top of that, right? Yeah, he also that was the weirdest thing, that you should get free LRT to the hockey games. Or two events. Was it just hockey games or was it all events? Like, could you take it? Probably all events because they're going to make money off those, right? Right. So that's a further taxpayer subsidy because that would equal a shortfall in Calgary transit revenues, which would mean that taxpayers would have to float the rest of it. And if you know anything about how transit is is funded in, in Calgary, it's kind of a 55-45 split. And it sort of moves along that, that a sliding scale there where riders pay for about half and then taxpayers pay for about half. And there's some other funding mechanisms in place too. But what in, so Ken King, I've had the pleasure to interview Ken King a couple of times. And he explained this to me in really, really simple terms. He's like, look. And I'm almost pulling the words right out of his mouth here. I wish I had the tape to play for you. But he said that in Toronto, where a rink board, uh, you know, advertising on the boards 
earns more money or where all of the other stuff that ways you can monetize a hockey game is more valuable in Toronto, it makes sense to buy and build and pay for your whole hockey rink. You're going to make your money back in good time. But in a city the size of Calgary, that economy just isn't there to support the same thing with an NHL hockey team. And so the business case isn't available to the Calgary Flames to do what has happened in Montreal or what has happened in Toronto. So yeah, they know and they're willing to share with everybody that, look, it just isn't a great business idea for us to go full pull on the, 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 this, this arena thing as billionaire owners or, or whatever. Um, so it's out there. It's like you said. It's like there's no point making an economic case for it. There just simply isn't one. So again, I'm going to go back to this. And this is kind of what I was getting at in that, in that letter that I wrote at nationaltalkyleague.com, which is just tell me why tax dollars should, should fund the arena. What's the great thing about it? Tell me. That's all. Well, and certainly, um, you know, you did make a great case for it. And the interesting part too, uh, I think Laura it was that uh, brought up the idea of the Jubilee or something like that, right? So someone gets to run that building and uh, they profit off that. So how is this any different? And you know, I guess there's something to be said for that. I think the problem that I keep coming back to is that it's not that the flames are. Uh, I mean, they are asking too much in my opinion, but it's not even that. It's the fact that they're so unrelentingly unwilling to go, nope, we see some benefit in this for the city other than the fact that if you don't do it, we're leaving, right? right. I don't hear the Flames you know, talking up the Flames Foundation and the things that they're doing here in the city and their love for Calgary. I don't hear any of that. This is a business decision. And the only, the only uh, emotion that they can bring into it is – well, you know what? Your favorite team might leave. What are you going to do then, guys? Right? It's like emotional blackmail, right? It's like they're a yeah. shitty boyfriend <laughs> and they're threatening to leave unless you buy them another case of beer or two, right? Right. You know, I, I think the problem that, that – and the reason why I won't get an answer to my question about, you know, just tell me what is so great. Like tell me why the taxpayers' dollars should go towards this project is because I don't give a shit about hockey. Like – to the extent that I'm not going to buy tickets and go to games. Like, I just don't follow it. It's not my thing. I love, good for you. You love it. That's awesome. I like college football. I like major league baseball. And believe me, when I'm in the bar and it's game five of the American League Championship Series and there's some fucking preseason game between the Flyers and the Islanders and I don't get to watch a playoff baseball game that's in the 11th inning because they got to put it on the fucking Flyers Islanders preseason game. Tell me that's not some bullshit. And I was there first, by the way, and you guys are fucking playing pool. Okay. Wow. So that took a turn yeah. at some point. But my point is just because I don't give a shit about hockey doesn't mean the city can't. All I'm saying is come up with a reason. Just say this is why it's a good idea for the for taxpayers' dollars to go to this rink. And if you if I may I may not argue, I might argue with you if you are wrong. And you've said something that has been like blown out of the sky many, many times. Um, but, you know, I just kind of want to hear the, that Flames fan, that, that, that vociferous group who thinks that the city should cave and let the arena deal go through because there's a good reason for it. I just want to know what the reason is. Well, and here's the irony for that Flames fan that you're talking about is he probably can't even afford to go to the games anymore. Right? I looked at 
taking my family one night. It was like well, it was $600 or something by the time I'm done, right? 150 bucks a seat. I don't know what the super cheapest seats are, but I suspect they're still in the $100 range. So you got all these, you know, this blue collar sport that's, you know, come up through, you know, Canada's blood. It's part of what we are. The Flames don't want those guys in the stadium anymore. The <laughs> Flames want the luxury boxes. Yeah. They want to sell sushi. That's what they want to do because they're a business. They're not there to make you happy. They're not there to make sure that your team is the best it can be and that people love you. They are there to make money and they prove that over and over again. They've shown no interest in taking up the debate of what the Flames mean to this city or what they could mean to this city. It's 100% about can we make more money? Right. And yeah. that's the part that pisses me off is those blue collar guys who love the team, who worship the team. The owners don't care about those guys. Right. And those guys are starting to go, OK, well, wait a minute. This is, this is getting crazy. Right. Yeah. We can't afford to go to the games anyway. So do I care about the team? I asked that question on, on my Facebook, which was if you are a Flames fan and there are lots of them and I'm not mocking them. I'm a I'm a soccer fan for a team that's halfway across the world. Right which is exactly my point, which is I don't ever get to go to the, a home game. I mean, I guess I could. I could could fly to London and go to a game. God willing, that'll happen in the next few years because I would love that. Could you afford the but, ticket? How much is the ticket to Arsenal? Uh, if you can get one. I mean, eh, they're probably pretty pricey. They're one of the most expensive teams too. Okay. They have a, a waiting list for season tickets, Roger. <laughs> There's over, I think, 40,000 people on the waiting list to get tickets. Wow. Uh, I suspect I can find a ticket to a game, but uh, it'll it won't be cheap. But my point is, I follow that team. I love that team. I've never watched that team live, right? I mean, I guess I do maybe via satellite, right? Yeah. Occasionally, there's a live game on, but but if you're not going to the games, why do you need the team here, right? So my and oh, wow. it's a yeah, okay. bit of a facetious question, but I'm saying, okay, if the Flames decided to leave. Since I'm not going to the games anyway, here locally in Calgary, all I'm doing is watching them on TV, right? When I watch Winnipeg, when I watch Edmonton, what, you know, let's, uh, let's talk to Edmonton. We'll make it the, the Alberta, uh, you know, the Alberta Oilers or something like that. Right? right. Yeah. But if you're not going to the games anymore, that takes a huge part of it out. And guess who's not going to the games anymore is all those people who can't afford to go to the games anymore. Right. So the only people that are supporting you now are other millionaires and they're not super great at giving up money either. So they're not going to come to your cause. I think you're running out of options here. Well, the funny thing is a lot of those companies don't see the ROI on the luxury box anymore. Cause the, the whole point of the luxury box is like deal closing, isn't it? Like you're doing yeah. favors for cust for clients and customers, keeping them happy, keeping them on your books, maybe close the odd deal now and then bring in some new business. But it's like I I remember I was at a cocktail party maybe a year ago, and um, somebody was talking about the golf tournament, like the the Shaw Charity Classic that they have, and how they said that like that's a way better um, ROI for them. Like when they you know give their customers the opportunity to go sit in a luxury box there, they get much better ROI than they do from buying the box at the Flames games. And so they're looking for fewer opportunities to go to hockey games and more opportunities to do different experiences. Yeah. And, you know, lots of companies struggling right now. It's hard to keep that that luxury box on the books when you have to let, you know, a third of your staff go. Yeah. So they, that could be an issue too. Uh, Tyler had commented on on your uh, article. He said, uh, it should definitely be looked at as a business partnership. Then the city would actually benefit from the interest in the long-term ownership. So not a loan, but a shareholder stake. So that's an idea that's been floated as well. Yeah. So what if the 
what if the city takes over a portion of the ownership of the team? And my comment was, yeah, the Flames would love that, right? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Why don't you guys make some money too, right? You know, because they want all the revenue and they want none of the risk. That's what it comes down to. They don't want to share the money. Uh, no, I, you know, I think that if, if the, if the city could step in and just broker a loan, and I really think by the way, and I don't, I can't think of too many people who, who would think this is absurd, but that is a pretty fair deal for the city to step up and say, we like having you here. We can't possibly just give you tax dollars. That's not responsible. But we can use them to finance this ambitious project that we agree will benefit more than just the hockey club. So how about if you do that? And I think the city was doing was really offering a lot. Like to the twenty five million it's gonna cost to demo the saddle dome and you know that cost is gonna increase. Um you know, the thirty million dollars in land, I really think the city came to the table there. And I I'm actually quite shocked that there is anybody who has anything bad to say about what the city stepped up with. I think that was more than generous. I think, uh, I think mayor Nenshi probably pulled an all-star move this week. I got to say politically for a couple of reasons. Number one, his biggest critics are always saying what about him as far as our economy goes. Uh, spend she, he spends too much, spend she, yeah. spends too much money, yeah. always wants to spend money, spend money. So when he comes and shows you the deal that they were trying to get through, which says, yeah, we're going to give you some land. We're going to, we're going to come to the table. We're going to give you, I think it was $130 million was the total. Like they actually give you, we're going to loan you some money and then you guys are going to pay the rest yourself. Now, if you're a mayoral candidate who wants to come in and say, yeah, yeah, look, Ninchi's trying to get rid of the flames. You got to come in even further to the left of him, right? It's hard to come in closer to the right. It's hard to say, well, no, no stadium, right? Because you're not going to get any votes by saying no stadium. I think that was a pretty, pretty ballsy and a pretty good move that he made by saying, look, this is where we're at. So if you want to call me spenshi, if you want to bitch about public art money, if you want to bitch about your taxes going up, guess what? You can't bitch about you know, us not coming to the table on this, uh, this stadium deal, but yeah. no, no matter which side you're on, it, it looks like a pretty good deal. I got to say. Yeah. Well put. And the, there was a fully a third of that deal too, was the ticket uh, surcharge. Right. So he's saying like taxpayers can volunteer all they want to fund a third of this stadium. And I think that should be extended. I still stand by. They should have a lottery or, or sell bonds or something like that. But if, if these people really want, um, the, you know, to have, tax dollars or, or, or public money uh, go to it. There should be a mechanism that allows them to volunteer for that. Absolutely. I, and I, I was just thinking about the fact too that the, th- the other thing that's got to stick in Ken King's craw is the fact that this is plan B we're discussing right now, right? Mm-hmm. This isn't what they wanted. The Flames wanted to be over in the West Village. They wanted all the space over in the West Village. They wanted the city to clean up the creosote. They wanted to, their own little, you know, kingdom over there. Yeah. And that got rejected pretty soundly. And so then the city's like, okay, well, our plan was, I think the city's plan was always to have it over in that area. I heard some talk at one point about having it directly over the LRT line. So maybe over McLeod Trail. I don't know if that's true or not, or if I'm just hearing that wrong. But for the city to say, hey, it's going to be part of the East Village, right? An area that we've been working pretty hard to try to get going and try to make happen. And it seems to be taken off bit by bit. Um, and not 100% there, but man, having a stadium and some new restaurants around it, whew, that would really help things out in that East Village, right? So it's it's kind of a win for everybody. 
Yeah. LRT is going to probably run through there, right? It's near the highway too, right? It's near uh, Deerfoot Trail. I don't know. I, I, honestly, this is a part of the, the conversation that I'm I, I'm not aware of. I haven't really researched well enough, I suppose. But I don't know why there's opposition to the location in the East Village on the part of the Flames, or even if there is. Um, have they said? Have they come right out and said, uh, "No, we, we absolutely don't want to play hockey there" because they effectively play hockey there right now. Well, yeah, I mean that's that's the thing is so why were they proposing the this this area over in the West Village? That's the, the curious part, right? Yeah. When there is this land that was obviously right next to the Saddle Dome, so why would they not want to see talk to the city about grabbing that? I don't know. Yeah, I've yeah. There's a lot of different ways. I think that we've kind of kicked Secretariat to death here on on, on some of these <laughs> subtopics in the whole arena debate thing. Um, I, I saw you you posted this you posted the letter on the website um that we that I put on the website you posted that on Reddit on Reddit yes <laughs> and it's like you know I read th- I read through the comments obviously cuz I'm have to I'm vain and uh I'm reading through it and I'm like all right and I'm really not I'm not going to debate anybody I'm not going to comment on anything that's any anybody said but what pisses me off is when you give a perfectly good valid analogy for a situation and then and you also make the analogy really simple and then people miss the analogy and you're like – so the analogy that I gave was like if Walmart said, hey, uh, give us money to build a new super center or we're closing all our stores. It's like that's the same exact thing. That's a wealthy business person saying give us money for a facility or else we are not going to uh, provide any benefit to the economy in this market. And anyway – I just like, but but the reason I brought it up as an analogy was was effectively to say like you wouldn't tolerate that if Jeff Bezos and his Amazon headquarters came to Calgary and said yeah give us uh, give us a building that looks like the bow and uh, we're going to bring Amazon headquarters to Calgary we would go no <laughs> you're Jeff Bezos you can buy the whole damn city if you want no I mean what the city should do in that situation is they should do uh, what they can to be accommodating within reason, right? They come in and they say, here's what we're looking for, city of Calgary. We got our little uh, hope, our wish list of, you know, we're going to need this much space. We're going to need access to this and that. And the city says, great. We've got a couple locations you might want to check out. We'd be willing to help out. Maybe we'll put an extra road that moves in, you know, towards your complex or whatever, right? Things like that. That's a, that's a smart thing to do because it increases your chances of getting that business. And you only have to spend that money if you get that business. Spending that money means there's a new company coming into town and they're bringing a bunch of cash with them. So that, in my head, makes sense as long as you're not, you know, you know, bending over the barrel, so to speak. Right. Um, so not to kind of bounce bounce around too much here, but the whole thing about Nenshi, and you're right, I thought he, he I thought he played it pretty well, certainly as well as he could have. Uh, with the way he released the city's funding deal and basically said, like, guys, we put up a pretty good offer. It's it's shocking to us that they weren't uh, willing to talk about it. Um, I th- I think it's really interesting that that you basically have Calgary business trying to be the mayor's ouster. Don't do, like. Does anybody not see it that way? What you have is 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 people who think the mayor is not business friendly, and there are certain recorded um, Uber conversations or Lyft conversations, and uh, certain um, uh, uh, defamation suits uh, that that might go to prove that he's not uh, terribly uh, business or that businesses don't find him terribly friendly. But it it does seem really interesting to me that we are okay 
with business people meddling in an election like this. Because I don't see a whole lot of criticism of the Flames for doing that very thing. In fact, I hear a lot of people saying it's very shrewd and smart and they commend the Flames for their for how they're acting. Yeah, and I, I certainly don't think that's cool at all. I mean, you know, for my two cents, not that anyone asked, but uh, I like Mayor Nenshi. He strikes me as a reasonable guy. He strikes me as someone who's thoughtful, who thinks things through, and who literally wants to make the city better. He's striving very hard to make our city a better place to be. Now, you can have issues with where he lies on the political spectrum. You can have issues about the spending thing. Though I'll remind anybody who's complaining about the spending that there's, uh, what, 14 other people in the room that have to vote when that comes to to pass. So it's not one – he can't say, I want to spend $100 million here and that gets spent immediately. It doesn't happen that way, right? There's a council. That's how it works. But – you know, so certainly there are issues. The biggest issue for me is that it's, you put a microphone in front of the guy and sometimes he just can't keep his mouth shut. Right? <laughs> this, is, this is a problem I have as well. So let's not you know get too crazy. But, um, you know, I do believe that he's he's trying to do the best thing for the city and that I don't believe he's anybody's pocket. Maybe he is and I'm just naive, but I don't get that sense from him. I get the sense that he wanted to make Calgary a better place. That's why he ran for mayor. Uh, he's certainly going to get, you know, a little more opposition this time, not as far as candidates, but, you know, people definitely there's a lot there's a lot of haters out there who don't dig what he's doing. So and fair enough, that's absolutely fine. You can absolutely have that opinion. That's the whole point of the democracy. Um, I don't know who I'm going to vote for or even if I'll vote. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, it's it's it is it is peculiar to me how. Much people don't like Nahid Nenshi and then don't follow, like don't know how he voted on certain things. Or it's, you know, it's like his whole thing are secondary suites, right? Is like, do we need to even talk about this at council? Can't we just have a department that approves these things and like the private property and what's the big issue? And then he, so he's basically saying like, let's stop wasting our time and people's money and let's get government out of people's homes. Right. Okay. So, Usually when a politician comes up and says something like that, he's a really conservative chap, right? Hey, we need less government involvement in your life. We need to cut back government spending. And we, we need to not tell you how to use your private property. That's like pretty much Ron Paul in, a, in, in an envelope right there. Ron Paul it's on a, an index card. It's a very conservative viewpoint, absolutely. Okay, so when Mayor Nenshi does it, though, it, uh, it just doesn't – it like – have I made my point? <laughs> I think I've made yeah. my point, right? So I think that what there's something something happened to me like on in in week one of my um uh, of my talk radio career where some guy called up and he didn't get on the air, but I used to have this habit of when people were left uh, on hold at the end of an hour and we we're going to change the segment, change the topic the next hour, I'd pick up the phone and I would say, hey, who's this? And they'd go, it's Dave. And I'd go, Dave, I'm Roger here. I'm really sorry we didn't get to your call. We're going to switch to another topic. I just didn't want to leave you on hold forever. And so I did that to this one guy and he's an older gentleman. And he said to me, um, you're too permissive of that Muslim faggot running this city. And then he, and then like he hung up the phone. And I thought, okay, well, I'm quite glad now that we never got to that phone call. And that to me was like, was the sentiment uh, that I think there's, I don't know that there's a lot of that out there, but that there certainly is some of that out there. And I don't like it. I, I, I think it, it's, 
it's generally bad, but I think it's even worse when it's like you try to mask that with a really shitty understanding of what's actually going on. Like just come out with your, with your, with your lunacy instead of trying to say, oh, well, no, trust me, I've got economic reasons for not liking this mayor. Do you, you know <laughs> what I mean? That, dis- I, that disturbed I, me. But go on, yeah. Can I get real with you for a minute here, Roger? Sure, whatever I just was. <laughs> so uh, I'm I'm 46. I'm middle-aged by all intents and purposes. Would love to hit 92. That'd be fantastic, I think. <laughs> um, but what I'm noticing is, and we talked about this before when we were talking to Trey K. This whole idea that that you know white males in our society are losing their whatever you know cachet that they once held or thought they once held. Right. And so there's a lot of that sort of confusion and anger. And I think, you know, people who start talking about, you know, Muslims and faggots, they're probably falling in that category. And I'm not making excuses for them. I'm just trying to, you know, put it in my head in some way that makes some kind of sense other than just to say crazy racist bigot, you know, which could be true as well. But what I find and what I struggle with sometimes and this is an honest, real struggle for me, is that that uh, that feeling you get where, oh, things are changing. This isn't how it used to be. But but the, the struggle, the fight that I'm trying to have right now is to is to go with stuff and say, you know what? Change is good. For the most part, change is good. It's not always good. But, you know, when someone says um, we want to start uh, promoting uh, bike lanes or having bike lanes, I might have an issue with how much getting spent on it or the way that that program's going in. But I believe deep down that I have to be OK with that concept that we haven't done this before, but it's a good thing to do. It's, you know, we talked about this in our, our overtime uh, episode, that idea that, you know, once you sort of realize that that a change is needed or or that something makes sense. That you kind of go with it. And so I find myself struggling with this a lot now where I say to myself like, well, you know, I, I don't understand this new thing that just showed up or or this new attitude that becomes prevalent in society. But, you know, I, I feel like maybe I have to be OK with it or at least accept it because if I don't, then I'm just treading water and I'm going to be like this for the rest of my life and nothing's ever going to change. Sorry, I hope that wasn't a little no, too deep I, Well, there. you're ta- I, to me, that's about falling off bikes, right? And it's like – we learn these lessons when we're kids. Um, I, may, I don't know. I, I think that that was insanely deep or like super deep, dude. But, you know, it's like you, when you're riding a bike, like what, what father or mother wouldn't put their child on a bicycle? You know, like learn how to ride this bicycle, knowing full well this child's going to fall off this bike and hurt himself, maybe seriously. But you would do that a hundred times anyway. And so it's sort of like, you know, there's – we – there's discomforts that, that are unfamiliar to us. And so I think that the resistance to change is like just so in, instinctively ingrained. But I think that the beautiful thing about we of the opposable thumb is that we have enough collective experience that we really should be able to develop a simple reflex to go, you know what, wait, like we can try it out. It doesn't have to be um, – this doesn't have to be drastic and we can always revert if it doesn't work. I mean, there's some things you can't. If you try the atomic bomb, you can't necessarily revert. Uh, you can certainly spend a lot of money rebuilding Hiroshima. Um, but I think on the other side of that, Dave, and you brought up the bike lanes. I was against the bike lanes too. Now, I'm not opposed to the, the premise of bike lanes. I was just opposed to um, 
the I, I, I sorry, I shouldn't say that I was opposed to it. I was interested in exploring it like very thoroughly. Like I had the idea that um, that there should be like an elevated bike lane that that runs basically down Center Street, and it was like, you know, it's a stupid idea. It's probably not as good as what they've got right now. But the point is, is like I wanted to take part in the conversation. So, you know, I, there's there's kind of like two two branches there. One is the absolute resistance to change, and the other is, well, hang on, can we talk about this? Yeah, well, well done though, well done, sir. Yeah, I mean, you know. I've said most of what I was going to say on that, but it's it's that idea that uh, that you just said, and you said perfectly, I thought, which was that idea that you know what, not every decision is the end of the world. It's okay to be wrong. It's okay to just make a decision sometimes. It's okay to go. Well, I don't think this is going to work, and do it anyway. Yeah, and not to fret about endlessly about oh my god who's going to win the next election right is it going to be the end of us if the wrong party wins it's not we know that yeah we're going to bitch and gripe a bit more um you know yeah trump's in charge now and people are up in arms but that's part of the experience that's the learning curve right, right yeah he's not going to well hopefully he's not going to end the world I guess. <laughs> that might be the bad example he is it's the potential to do that but Odds are what's going to happen is somewhere down the line, he's either getting impeached or he's getting voted out and somebody else is going to step in. They're going to write the ship. They're going to turn things in a different direction and things will move on. Right. That's that's probably a bad example because that one does affect a lot of people's lives. But, you know, we get so caught up in like, oh, which car should I buy or okay, oh, yeah, I yeah, really got to think about this sofa purchase. You don't. And, you know, Freakonomics <laughs> talked about this. It's like you're doing too much research. Pick the one that makes you happy, right? Yeah. Our buddy Keith Callbeck. I, you know what? I don't know if this is true for you, but I think about that interview so much. Almost daily now, it affects me in some way and some choice that I make or I think about, yeah, I'm not going to worry about this thing anymore. It's This isn't making me happy. I'm not going to do this anymore. You're talking you about the, the National Talkie League overtime episode with Keith Callbeck where we discussed minimalism. Correct. Okay, yeah. See, I was – I was really excited to talk to Keith. And if you listen back to that interview, like I, I kind of had my pump primed a little bit for that because I've been on this sort of path of reducing choices and decisions in my life. And like one example of this is my wife and I went to the Big Rock Barn Burner on uh, Saturday night. And by the way, there's a band that played there called Silkstones. And I thought they were really, really good. They opened the whole thing and not a ton of people were at the stage to watch them. But Silkstones, maybe put that one in the tumbler and, and give it a whirl. Um, but... You know, so they they had like you know obviously they had beer on tap at the Big Rock Barn Burner. It happened at their brewery, and so my wife is at the is at the beer you know taps, and she's like, well, you know what, which one do I want to have? She asked me, and I said, I don't know, just get whichever one you want. That one's those two are light, those two are dark. That one's orange flavor, and that one's a cider. And then she asked me, what's what's Pilsner? What's the Pilsner taste like? And I just said, get it, and if you don't like it, I'll drink it, and then you can try another one. And so to me, I'm the way I'm rationalizing this is like, I know that is a good beer, first of all. But even if I didn't know that was a good beer, the worst thing that's going to happen to me is I'm either going to get a beer I don't like that I'll drink, which I'll like because it's beer. Or I will go to the ticket people and I'll say, can I have another one of these $5 beer tickets, please? And I'm going to replace the beer I don't like with one that I know I like, right? If you're at the ice cream store and they've got 31 flavors and you can't pick between two, get one and come back tomorrow and get the other one. And it's like, but... No, we never ever see that as being a decision. It's like chocolate, vanilla, or strawberry. It's never chocolate, vanilla, strawberry, come back tomorrow. Right. Right. And the worst thing, like, 
this is I've almost adopted this as a policy, and I encourage everybody to do this. Is when somebody says, "Do you want chicken wings or fajitas?" Just pick the first thing. If they say chicken wings first, that's what you're having. If they said fajitas first, you're having fajitas. So the choice doesn't matter. It's whatever the first thing that they said was. Interesting. And, yeah, and so this is what drives me up the up the wall when my wife does this. Is is here? We're gonna role play this one. So uh, okay, you're you're okay. you're me and I'm her. Okay. Oh, good. I was so worried that I would have to play her and then discuss it with her later. So okay. No, no I'm gonna be her and you're gonna be me. All right. Okay. All right. Okay. <clears throat> uh, I'm not gonna put on a weird voice though. That'll just that won't work for me. No, no, I wouldn't do that if I were you. Okay, I'm just gonna be. I'm just gonna sound like me though. I'm portraying my wife here. Okay. Oh, this is getting meta. Okay. okay. Yeah. Uh, Roger. Uh, yeah, Roger. Um, listen, I just wanted to say, I'm going to make dinner here and, um, I know you've got an appetite cause you made love to me really fantastically this afternoon three times. Um, and I've got quite an appetite too, but I, uh, thank you for that, by the way. That was, uh, it was the greatest thing I wrote to all my girlfriends to tell them about your prowess. But anyway, as I say, I'm going to make dinner and, um, uh, do you want, um, chicken wings? Yeah. Or would you like uh, beef barley soup? <laughs> yeah, I would also like that. I was good with chicken wings, but yeah. Or do you want to make pizza? <laughs> yeah. No, pizza's good too. Yeah. And, and she'll just uh, end scene. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. We're not done yet. Oh, also, no. yeah. also, I was out this afternoon. <laughs> And see. And see. Uh, true fact. Very accurate portrayal, Dave. Um, <laughs> why does it smell like Dave Ware in the bedroom? That's weird. Uh, Whoa. Hey, hold on. Hold on. <laughs> hey, are these Dave Ware's underpants around his waist? <laughs> uh, no. So, um, yeah, but it's like, do you know what I mean? It's like, I've already decided. Like, why don't you clearly want to make something different? Don't make me decide. Make whatever you want. <laughs> So uh, this reminds me of a, uh, a game that uh, we have uh, that we use, uh, not in the bedroom, mind you, but uh, when someone's trying to make a decision and they can't decide between two things. We may have even talked about this on pack podcast before. I can't remember. But it's it's basically it's the uh, very quick uh, question. You have to choose between one of two things, right? Right. So if I was going to play this with you, um, what's the question we're trying to figure out? What am I trying to figure out? Uh, cheesecake or uh, angel food cake. Okay, so you're trying to decide between cheesecake and angel food. You can't decide, and it's now causing you some worry and possibly some anxiety. All right. So I would say to you, uh, just answer as quickly as you can. Don't think about it. Well, hang on a second. Um, which gonna, do you like better? Are we not going to role play this one? Like, oh, we can we can role play this one. All right, I'll be uh, I'll be my wife, <laughs> or should we be your wife again? <laughs> okay, yeah, let's do that. I'll be you. You be your wife again. No, I want. <laughs> I want to be. I want to be. Play I want to be your wife this time. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> I know you do. Uh, <laughs> okay. Okay. How does this go? How does this game go? Okay. So I would say. Uh, I would say to you. Uh, uh, just answer as quickly as you can. Don't think about it too much. Just whichever one pops in your head. Okay. Red or blue. Blue. Uh, steak or fajitas. Steak. Uh, cheesecake or angel food cake. Angel food cake. Ah. There you go. That's your answer. And if you feel bad about the fact that you answered that, if you're regretting answering that, then it was the other one. How do I know it was truly regret? 
uh, well, if you're like, oh, I really wish I'd said food or angel food cake or whatever, right? Like it's on, uh, so, yeah. so you do three or four of these in a row and you get to the point where the person is no longer uh, cognitively thinking about it. They're literally just answering the first thing that pops in their head because that's the right choice. What about that thing? Um, I think Sprite did this in a commercial campaign where they they did like a blind taste test, right? And so you remember the Coke-Pepsi thing? Like you're going to drink two colas and then you're going to pick, whoa, you like Pepsi, that's crazy. Um, but Sprite did it and, and it was Sprite versus like sour milk. <laughs> and it was a, you prefer? Yeah, the commercials were funny. Like, oh God, that is cleaner. That tastes like cleaner. Uh, the commercials were quite funny. Um, but it's like, what if you did that in the in the, like if you are trying to, get someone to decide for you. It's like, Dave, do you want um, devil's food cake or me to put a cricket bat in your anus? <laughs> See, that's a trick you. <laughs> Which end of the cricket bat? <laughs> and I'd read somewhere too that when, when they did the Pepsi challenge, there was something to the effect of that when you had a small, was this, did we talk about this with Trevor or is this just us? Um, if you have a small amount of Pepsi, uh, in the taste test, it tastes better because it's sweeter. But if you're to drink a whole can of it, it might become a bit more cloying after a while. Right. Uh, all I remember about the Pepsi taste test, and they had the Pepsi taste patrol, which I thought was like, that was awesome too. But the Pepsi taste test, uh, they were at South Center Mall this one time. And they were set up in like the center court area and they had maybe like six or seven tables and they're just doing the Pepsi taste challenge, I guess it was, Pepsi challenge. And then um, I, I, all I remember was the lineups for it and thinking to myself, are all these people seriously lining up for a shot <laughs> of cola? Of cola. Two shots of cola. Yeah. <laughs> um. I had a friend at work. Uh, this was probably 10 or 15 years ago now when uh, I used to bring in uh, – they had the bottles. Costco would get the bottled Coke, right? Yeah, yeah, that yeah. became hip for a while. And I was like, yeah, I know I like the bottled Coke better. It tastes better. And he was like, I don't think it does. And he's, he's – I was like, no, no, no. Absolutely. Absolutely tastes better. He's like, OK. So he went. He got a can, took the bottle that I had, poured them both into a cup without me seeing Said, okay, go ahead, taste. They taste exactly the same. But you got to drink it out of the bottle. That's right. That's the thing. Yeah. Um, do you remember when, by the way, the Coke, like two liter or like one and a half liter bottle was made of glass? I think it was like a weapon. Mm-hmm. They can't get that anymore. Times have changed. We don't do glass except for alcohol, which seems it should have been the other way. Like you could keep the coke bottles made out of glass but the people who are drinking a lot should be using plastic shouldn't they i think that's the case yeah i always thought it was funny like you know you the uh the tall boy can now right that we have in in canada and and what is what do we have a stick up our ass by the way about like how you look when you're drinking too much beer in one go like like one of my favorite things to do, the, the first gas station I find when I get over the, the border into the U.S. is to buy the 32-ounce can of Miller High Life. <laughs> right? It's like I want – I'd like two pints of beer at once, please. <laughs> and I'd like it in probably the most inconvenient vessel as well if you don't mind. 
I'd like to be super warm before I get anywhere near done drinking it, if possible. Yeah. So there's nothing like, uh, I think my record is crushing three of those in the backseat of the car from Las Vegas to Palm Springs. <laughs> and uh, the, the reason why it was three is because I bought four. Uh, we were at this gas station, two couples on a, on a road trip. I bought four. Uh, so two for me and two for my friend Steve, who was riding in the backseat while our wives were up front. And, uh, unbeknownst to me, he, he bought two. So he was like, we were doing each other the same solid. We just ended up with six pints of beer (laughs) and we drank them. And then we changed the climate of Joshua Tree National Park from semi arid or rather arid (laughs) to semi arid desert. I have to say those, uh, those, like truck stop slash gas station slash convenience stores that they have in the States. And they're working on a whole other level. We stopped in a couple uh, in Montana there and it's just like, you know, it's like they sell everything. Yeah. So everything a trucker could ever need and every kind of snack known to mankind. Yeah, no. And it's, it's, yeah, they're like amusement park size too. Like those things are, are some serious operations. I want to, I want to know, um, like, yeah, I would love to just kind of get like talk to the general manager of one of those facilities because there's like there's even restaurants going on like multiple restaurants in some of those spots. Well, yeah, and uh, when we stopped in uh, in a couple of them, it was like the kids were get excited because they knew oh we got you know we need to fill up gas we need a little pit stop here we need some energy and so usually that's crappy snacks and that kind of thing right you've seen that meme on Facebook where you know uh, you know. I can't remember what it is, but your life should be like someone gave a, a, a nine-year-old a hundred dollars and told them to go buy snacks, right? Right. Yeah. Or a road snack should always be like like someone did that kind of thing. And uh, yeah, I got to agree because my nine-year-old or my eight-year-old was just like, I can't, I don't even know how to pick, Dad. <laughs> so much. I want all the Gatorade. He's on a Gatorade kick right now. Oh yeah, yeah. That's what you need. There's a there's a. I think the town is called Beacon Station. It's on Highway 15, I-15 in between Los Angeles and and Las Vegas. Um, and I'm sure someone listening, I'm sure one of the talkies will have, will know what I'm talking about if they've ever done this drive. But there's a gas station that's famous for beef jerky. They make their own beef jerky. And they've got maybe 100 different beef jerky flavors, like a wall of beef jerky, Dave. And it's one of these big ones, right? Because it's like, you know, it's a big gas station, a fill stop on on a desolate highway, otherwise desolate highway. And I think it's kind of the only real place to stop between Barstow and Pahrump. But yeah, you go in and they've, and they've even got like samples of some of the flavors and stuff. But there's like dill pickle flavored beef jerky. Like, like I can go on and on and on. But it, it was really something to behold. And I bought beef jerky there. And I got to tell you, it was without a doubt the worst beef jerky that I've ever eaten. <laughs> I think I just got the worst flavor or something. I, I kind of branched out. Too funny. Yeah, it's a, it's like a whole other world for sure. That kind of uh, but, brings up a question. Sorry, I'm going to change the subject. So you go ahead with your butt. I was just going to say, I bought, I bought a hat. I bought a hat light. You ever seen these little LED lights that clip onto your ball cap? Yeah. Bought one of those for camping because I figured we were at the gas station. You got to buy a hat light. <laughs> um, what is something – you're totally unprepped for this. But what is something that typically comes in many flavors where the most boring flavor is the best one? 
Oh, interesting. Uh, I, I can think of a couple good examples. Gosh, I can't think of anything right off the top of my. I mean, I know I have preferences for things, but I would say like like potato chips. Yeah, the ruffles. But people like chip. other flavors, right? Yeah, you but you, the ruffles regular is like one of the best potato chips on the planet, right? Are we going to argue? No, we're not going to argue this. Uh, wings, having buffalo or salt and pepper, though I think those are the two most boring of the wing flavors. Also the best. Mm-hmm. Also the best. Absolutely, absolutely. Water, I find, <laughs> is is best in its most boring format. Flavored water. Everything's flavored now, too. That's the crazy thing. Every beverage you can buy now comes in strawberry as well. Yeah. I want to know who was allowed to call grape-flavored things grape (laughs) (laughs) and orange-flavored things. Like orange crushes because it's the color orange, right? Have we disabused ourselves of the notion that that is what oranges taste like? Yes, it, they don't. And banana is the other one. I think that banana is like the ultimate fake fruit flavor crime. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nothing. There is no banana that tastes like banana flavored anything except if you make it with bananas. So anyway, Dave, I just think I can't wait for the flames to leave because that just means that some other NHL <laughs> – you know, not to, <laughs> not, not to call it back. And, and I want to get uh, – we've got something really special coming up that we're going to try for the first time here with uh, one of our talkie listeners, Eric Wilhite. But um, – uh, here's 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 my only other thing I hope I ever have to say about the Flames is that it'd be great if they go and the sooner the better because the deal that the city put up I think is so good that a, that a owner of a flailing franchise somewhere in the states like Florida, the Florida Panthers, could look at that and go, is that an open offer? Because I'll <laughs> take that offer. <laughs> I would love to have that deal and and move the team. To a place where people love hockey, yes. That's a really smart point. I hadn't – no one said that before. Interesting, Roger. Interesting. Is that worthy of some Johannes? Yes. National Talkie League. Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. <laughs> so um, we have – we had this idea and we want so badly to include more – of the of the the friends and family and, and, and fans who listen to the National Talkie League podcast in this show, and so we love interacting with you on our Facebook page when you leave comments uh, on our website nationaltalkieleague.com. Uh, but Eric sent us an email and he had a he had a good question, something that we can discuss. Um, but instead of just reading the email, we said, "Hey, can you make a recording? Just use your iPhone or whatever phone you've got. Just make a recording of yourself asking the question, and that way we can play it back." in the National Talkie League podcast. So this is Eric's contribution to this episode. Hey, Dave and Roger. This is uh, senior beleaguered talkie Eric Wilhite. Uh, I had a question for you guys. In the uh, current political climate and the uh, looming uh, nuclear threat of annihilation and locally with the uh, arena debate coming into focus this week, I thought, you know, we really need to deal with the real issue. And that issue is, what's better, Star Trek or Star Wars? So I was uh, watching uh, Star Trek on Netflix, and my son comes up to me and he says, Daddy, whatcha, 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 whatcha watching? 
And I said, well, son, let me clear my throat. Uh, this is Star Trek The Next Generation. And uh, we, he asked me, you know, uh, how long have you been watching Star Trek for? And I said, well, all my life. And, you know, how long have you been watching Star Wars for? And he said, well, all my life. And, uh, you know, I love both uh, Star Wars and Star Trek. Uh, personally, I think they have um, uh, different fan bases, but the same fan base. Um, so, you know, for me, Star Wars has the advantage when it comes to uh, the kids. Uh, they like to watch the um, cartoons, the, uh, what is it now, the um, Star Wars Rebels and uh, Star Wars The Clone Wars. Uh, Clone Wars is on Netflix. I don't think Rebels is yet, but it's on Disney XD and they love that show. Uh, and as far as the movies go, uh, I prefer Star Trek movies. Uh, although where Star Wars wins in the movies uh, is that uh, they never made a remake of any of the Star Wars movies. And I don't think they ever could. I think that would, uh, uh, the fan base would probably hate that. Um, so anyway, uh, I was just curious. What do you guys think? Well, what's better, Star Trek or Star Wars? Uh, been a fan of the podcast since before it was good, and thank you for taking the time. Talk to you later. <laughs> Bye. That's the best. <laughs> That's the best. Oh, full marks, Eric. Full marks. <laughs> Since before it was before good. It was good. I oh, love it. Okay, I gotta work that into like a headline on the on the main page. Oh, get Johannes to say National Talkie League. You were listening before it was good. <laughs> Senate it implies it's still not good. I like that. Uh, all right. Do you want to field that, Roger? No, nah, I'm I'm thinking about it. Still, you go. You got something? All right. So yeah, so uh, my first thought was uh, was a point of correction. Eric said that they've never remade a Star Wars movie, but I think Episode Seven was pretty much just a remake of Episode Four. <laughs> you've got exactly, basically the same plot line. You've got many of the same elements. They another goddamn Death Star. They got to stop it with the Death Stars already. It's getting old. Three now. Three yeah. Guys. The only problem is that the I think that the remake, and I'm 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 with you, except that it wasn't a remake of the entire episode four, just up until they find we meet Obi Wan, right? Right. And there was a little bit more fighting. I don't know. Maybe I'm I, I, <laughs> I'm not as Star Wars nerd as most people. I I just try to like nod and keep up with the conversations generally. So and and uh, and Keith Callbeck made an interesting comment about this when we were talking Star Wars on uh, on that episode, and uh, it's that whole comment like you know someone's like oh I haven't really uh, like you know what was the best uh, you know the last one I really liked was Empire and he was like maybe you don't actually like Star Wars. <laughs> I grew up with Star Wars. I don't know if Eric's about the same age as us or not, but I've got a, I've got a little Darth Vader light, a little ceramic light that my mother made for me, and it's. I'll show it to you, Roger, because wow. I can't show it to everybody else. But yeah, uh, we'll, we'll include a photo on my desk. Oh wow, we'll include a picture of this in the show notes. Yeah, yeah. So it's a it's a ceramic like paint before they had paint your own ceramics. Um, so my mom made that for me, painted it for me, and it's got a light inside. And so you can turn out, it's like a nightlight at the same time, right? And so I've had that since I was six. I still have it on my desk. Um, but it's not because I'm a gigantic Star Wars fan anymore. It's just because I had it. I, it was the first movie I ever went to in the theater was Star Wars. And I remember being homesick from school one day and my mom took me over to Kmart and bought me some Star Wars figures. And they were $2 each at the time, Roger. Wow. $2 each. Wow. And you, you took them out um, of the box, didn't you, you jerk? 
Oh God, immediately. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, but I think I, this is maybe like five or 10 years ago. I think I hit a point where I was like, I think I've seen star Wars enough now. I don't think I need to go back and watch the original star Wars movie again. I think I've gotten everything I'm going to get out of it. And I think, uh, since then my interest in star Wars has started waning and with the onslaught of marketing from the last couple of movies, I'm just like, I just don't want to hear about it anymore. It's great. Awesome. That people are still crazy about it. I just don't need to hear about it every single day. There's another movie coming out in a couple months. It's going to start up again right away. All I'm going to hear about is star Wars for the next three months. It's going to drive me crazy. Yeah. Um, you'll see it though. I will. Yeah. Yeah. My, my son will want to yeah, go for sure. Yeah, so I, so yeah. I'm talking like a big man here, but when episode seven came out, I went with some buddies. They had tickets for the like early morning Saturday showing, uh, dropped a friend of mine off. Uh, she was out in the, in the country out in bear spa. I had to drive up to bear spa to drop her off. Uh, got back home, picked up my son, took him to a birthday party where they were going to see star Wars. So I got to see it twice in one day. <laughs> and then I had to take the rest of the family who hadn't seen it. So I actually saw, uh, the force awakens three times in theater, but again, not because I'm a huge fan. Um, having said that, it's not like I hate it or anything. Uh, so this is an interesting question because there's so many different ways that we could parse this thing and we could probably do a whole podcast on it, which we won't. Maybe we will. I don't know the side podcast that's starting up. Uh, but, uh, so are we just talking movies versus movies? Are we talking about shows versus shows? Well, Cause there's a you, whole lot of ground to cover. There. Yeah. I don't think you can just compare. Uh, Cause he said, what do you prefer? Star Trek or Star Wars? And I don't think that you can just say well it's not fair because star trek had several television series so let's just dismiss those and compare only the movies so i think you got to take like the entire uh pantheon dave correct use of pantheon yeah that's a very good use of pantheon yeah and uh put a you know compare them the the, the pantheon pan <laughs> pan being all-encompassing thea being the like basis of theology and what have you so it's all the gods would be the pantheon right Oh, okay. I thought that Pantheon was like uh, a gallery where you hang paintings. No, that would be a gallery. <laughs> uh, uh, so, yeah. So, you're, you're, you're factoring all the Star Trek television series into this as well. All right. So, yeah. No. Uh, I mean, Star Wars was a it was a monster of a TV show as well. It was only on for three seasons. It's like, it was like the original Batman, right? Went like three seasons. And then you think of it now and you're like, man, that thing was on forever. Battlestar Galactica, the original Battlestar Galactica, one season. But boom, huge cultural impact, right? Right. So Star Wars did three seasons. Then there was an animated show. And then a long time passed until they started doing the movies. Movies started getting successful. They did another. They did Next Generation. It hit big. Then they did Deep Space Nine. It hit big. It did Voyager. Voyager kind of sucked. Uh, then they did Enterprise and then they started rebooting the movie. So there's – I mean and now there's you know, uh, Discovery coming out next week I think it is, a Sunday or something. Now, I'm only going to do this because of the people that are doing this themselves. But you said Star Wars when you meant to say Star Trek. <gasps> did I? Oh, yeah, I'm so now, sorry. So star, there was never a Star Wars TV series, was there? 
No. Okay. So I, now the only reason I'm doing the that. The holiday special, but that's a different <laughs> story. Normally people would just go, oh, he meant to say Star Trek, but he said Star Wars. But then they'd forgive it. But I think in this conversation, people would not forgive you for that. No. So I felt like pointing. I felt Nerd like fights are, the, are yeah. epic and gigantic. Uh, this website that we used to do, we had a list of like 10 things you could say to start a nerd fight. And that would be one of them. Like, Star Wars is way better than Star Trek. And then you just leave and they'll fight for the rest of the night. Um, yeah, so Star Wars, on the other hand, you, you started in the movies. Uh, first movie was huge. Second movie was huge. Third movie was huge. Then they had this big layoff, you know, or they did the, the holiday special, <laughs> which was a whole other thing. It's epic. Uh, and then, yeah, so then the machine kind of cranked back up again. And there was a couple, you know, the Lego stuff and the, yeah, the uh, animated shows that were going for a while. Some video games that started hitting pretty big. And then now, of course, they're back into making the movies once again. Firing directors left and right, as far as I could tell, in the Star Wars movies. All right. Both the Han Solo movie and uh, episode uh, nine, they've fired the directors thereof. Yeah. Interestingly. JJ is going to do the ninth one, right? That's my understanding. Yeah. Yes. Who did the Who did the first three movies? Lucas, and uh, the, the director. Yeah. Uh, yeah, George Lucas. He, no, didn't Kubrick do one of them? Oh, uh, Irving Kirshner. Sorry, I think did the second one. Is he not the same guy as Stanley Kubrick? <laughs> no, that'd be a different. That's guy. a different fellow. Uh, Ir- Irving, I want you to uh, do something different with the second movie. There's going to be some uh, snow in it, so uh, could you? Could you? Yeah, and that's uh, some people think that Empire is uh, the best film because of that, right? Because George wasn't, uh, you know, I, George gets a lot of, you know, bullshit thrown at him. But it's the irony is that all these things that you're bitching about, you wouldn't have if it wasn't for George in the first place. Yeah, so, right. Yeah. So, which is your favorite then? Which one do you prefer? So, oh god. So again, it's a tricky question, right? The movies, there was lots of good Star Trek movies. There's been a lot of bad Star Trek movies. There's been a lot of good episodes and a lot of bad episodes. Uh, Star Wars, we have relatively less to work with. We've only got movies. But then again, we have movies, right? There were some big movies. Oh, this is a tough one. This is a tough one. Where where are you going to land? Star Trek. Okay. Now, what about you? Which one is it? <laughs> <laughs> You're just doing that thing where you just picked one, didn't you? No, because here's why. Um, now, I'll give kudos to Star Wars for having better aliens. Okay, every alien in Star Trek, as far as I could tell, is either a humanoid or is invisible. Like, do you know what I mean? So, I I think that that the universe of uh, the the inhabitants of the universe in the Star Wars uh, films are far more interesting. Um, but you know, that's not always a good thing. Uh, Exhibit A, Jar Jar Binks. And I'll say this too, the Star Wars movies aren't good movies. And what I mean is like if you compare those to good movies, like if if you compared if you took uh The Phantom Menace and Shawshank Redemption. Now maybe that's not fair cuz Shawshank Redemption is arguably like in the top 5 best movies of all time. But there's just a lot – like if you took a lot of, of what the, – like the scales that you would use to rate whether or not a movie is good or not, really none of the Star Wars movies would, would pass. So I'm just saying they're not great movies. Now, they're, they're super imaginative. They make you feel 
good about stuff. But if 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 you didn't have the the love of of all things science fiction or the nostalgia that came along with it, if somebody just came out and brought you Star Wars: A New Hope, you wouldn't think that's a great movie. You'd only like that movie because it came out in the same time as movies like Kramer versus Kramer, right? <laughs> you know, so no, and that, you know what? I think you really touched on on the crux of the issue is that it's more about remembering your childhood than it is about sure looking at that film for its own value, right? You don't see a lot of people going, "The Deer Hunter." Oh hell yeah, that's the best movie. <laughs> it came out around the same time, and arguably a much better movie, right? Much better movie, absolutely. Um, so, so, but and it's the same thing with Star Trek, right? Like Star Trek wasn't a good TV show. Like the like the acting was brutal. The special effects were terrible. The storylines were kind of flimsy. Like there wasn't much going on there except for it was just so radically different from Gunslinger and whatever else Andy Griffith did before Matlock. <laughs> That's the Andy Griffith show, by the way. <laughs> I think there's something in between. There must have been something in between. <laughs> um, I am also going to go with Star Trek. And my reasoning being that uh, my favorite of the Star Wars films would be Empire Strikes Back. And I've always said that it is just like you were just saying, it is a six out of ten at best. The best movie in your group of movies is a six out of ten at best. How good can those movies be? Right. right. And people, oh, they go up and down the side of me when I say that Empire's only a six. Oh, it's the best movie ever. I'm like, great, show it to someone who's never seen any of the Star Wars movies. How much sense does this movie make? How crappy is that ending, right? Because it's a middle chapter. Yeah. And it's a bad middle chapter because it doesn't actually deal with, you know, I mean, it sort of wraps up its own little story, but it also, you know, sort of pulls in stuff from the other movies that it really shouldn't be doing. Anyways, that's an argument for another time. Um, Special effects, they're both great. They both do a good job on Star Trek. Some of the movies did fantastic job. Uh, acting wise, no one's really winning any awards. Any <laughs> of those? I don't know. Ricardo goes full tilt in a con. It's pretty good. We got Ricardo uh, Montalban. <laughs> Ricardo uh, Christopher Lloyd, you know, pulling out some fantastic stuff in Search for Spock, right? Um, and then culturally, Star Wars has been huge and had big impacts. But I think Star Trek, like some of the tech we have is you can sort of trace it back to Star Trek, right? Yeah. That's interesting. Actually, that's a good point. Because I think that that, that – I, I don't think you can really dismiss how um, a lot of what you know Hollywood or what you know the TV producers faked – just like, oh, yeah, he holds it in his hand and it's like, oh, you can read the minerals in the soil. Like, you know, if you could grow food there. It's like people were – there was – that spurred people's imaginations. And that was at a time when the engineers of the day would have gone, that's impossible. And kids of the day would have gone, that would actually be really cool. It's like x-ray glasses, right? Like for all the adults who saw the x-ray glasses on the back of the comic book were like, this is stupid. Like – Who's how how dumb are kids that they would buy this stuff? Meanwhile, you've got people that are like eight, you know ten years later they're seventeen going. It would be great to be able to see people's titties, <laughs> right? And so like that stuff sticks with people, and then you know maybe they they act on it later on in life. The thing about the Star Trek movies, Dave, is that I thought that they were um, individually less dependent on each other. And I think that that helped them a lot 
to just like that they could start on a fresh adventure and kind of finish the adventure. And it wasn't, um, you know, it was part of a, of a chain, if you will, but it wasn't necessarily like, uh, you know, we got to find Spock because of Khan's wrath. <laughs> well, and, and, and arguably those were the only those two the movies F-linked, that right. sort of go against your argument, but those two were very intertwined, uh, wrath of Khan and search for Spock, but you're right. The next one after that, even though it starts right at the end of, uh, search for Spock doesn't really have anything to do with the plot of that movie. And it's the one where they go back in time and, and meet the whales and, uh, you talk to, and then, you know what? It's so funny too, because this again, shows you how far we've come there's a scene in that movie that was played for great comedy when uh when scotty sits down in front of the computer and they're like oh yeah no and he picks up the mouse says oh you have to use the mouse and he picks it up and he says computer (laughs) we all laugh because who could talk to a computer that's just oh wait (laughs) (laughs) you know so there's that kind of stuff going on too yeah i think you're right um i don't know the new i've watched all of the new uh, Star Trek movies, all three of the new ones, the J.J. Abrams films. Yeah, uh, you'll enjoy the fact that the Beastie Boys are figure prominently in all of the films. Yeah, I do like that. I watch those with my wife. Those are like perfect movies for her because they there's a bunch of stuff explodes and they star Chris Pine. I don't know what that has to do with anything, but <laughs> um, yeah, no, and I, I've all three of them. I think they're they're decent. They've got some good stuff going on. And then they always hit this point where I'm like, no, why did you go in that direction? That was a bad idea. Uh, the last one was, I think, the worst of the three. It it had it blew its wad in the first 20 minutes of the movie. Like, uh, I don't know if you if anybody's watching or listening who hasn't seen it yet, but uh, basically the the ship gets attacked in the first 15 or 20 minutes of the film. Oh yeah. Nothing, nothing better happens after that. Yeah, that's true. That's, that's a great th- sequence, and nothing tops it after that. That's the so, one where they have to get off the planet, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that movie sucked. Yeah. Um, oddly, uh, I was about to describe that one to my wife as the Star Trek movie where Chris Pine blows his wad in the first 20 minutes. But... <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and, uh, what's his face is in the first one, uh, uh Thor, Thor Liam plays Hem- Kirk's dad. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, the Hems- you're talking about like young Kirk who steals the car. Is that who you're talking about? What? Sorry. In the first one, right? The first of In the, the first J.J. One. Abrams ones. Yeah. He plays yeah. he plays Kirk's dad. Yeah, and it begins with that Kirk's dad is on the ship. He runs into Nero's ship. Nero's come back from the alternate universe or from the future. Right. He runs into Nero's ship and uh, gets Kirk, uh, who's just been born, and his mother to into a shuttle, oh, and right, then right, he right. flies yeah. the ship into the yeah. yeah. So I didn't remember the scene. Yeah, you're right. All I remembered was the uh, the police chase or something like that that was at the start of one of them and the kid goes i'm james tiberius kirk <laughs> wicked what you remembered was that they were playing sabotage during that scene yes sir absolutely um <laughs> like me some beastie boys yeah so did we solve eric's problem then i think that i that think was two we votes did for star trek i think star wars suffering right now from uh just a lethal amount of overexposure uh and uh just it hasn't really done anything new or interesting though i shouldn't say that i did like the fact that uh, i did like the character of ray in uh the force awakens i thought she was fantastic 
bright spot. Uh, I thought the character of Finn, the stormtrooper, was completely unnecessary, unless they're doing something in the next movie. But good God, did not need that character whatsoever. I could have just watched Ray zip around and be happy about being a Jedi forever. <laughs> uh, so that's three votes for Star Trek, I think. Because I think Eric's vote was he was watching Star Trek TNG with his with his kid. He was watching, 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 watching it with his kid. So I'm going to count that. I'm going to put him in our column as well, and it's unanimous. Excellent, excellent. National uh, Talkie League. I'm loving it. What's on? Uh, so, is there news to talk about in the city? Uh, you you seem to you mentioned something about C train ridership and how people are not riding the C train and. I, I, my my response to that was told you so, but uh, so yeah, no, this was a Reddit thing, right? So, um, so yeah, the report came out that said that there's more people driving downtown than taking the LRT, and of course, the the uh, the Reddit minions, being the sort of you know millennial lefty uh, folks that they are, were aghast that people would buy cars. Number one. Number two, not live in the Beltline, because what the hell? <laughs> okay. Uh, and number three, that they would not use public transit. Come on, what's wrong with you people? I just thought it was so funny that they just everybody started losing their mind. And then, of course, a few saner heads show up and 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 discuss the reasons that they might not want to use the LRT, like the fact that someone was saying, you know, my wife and I both work uh, downtown. And so, uh, if both of us buy a monthly pass, it's practically the same cost as, you know, getting a a place to park. Yes. There's wear and tear on the car and there's all that, but you know, there's, there's pluses too. Uh, you like, you don't have to get sick. You don't have to have people (laughs) sneezing on you every single day during the, during the winter. Yeah. There's no rude people in my car when I'm driving by myself. Um, I don't know why, man, but I mean, that sounds dismissive, but I really think it's not. Like I, I, I take the train every once in a while, right? And every single time I take the train, someone is doing something that is really annoying. And you know, I get it that part of living in a big city is we're going to have to, you know, just tolerate each other from time to time. But there's really no, there's no, there's no need to take a phone call on public transportation. There just isn't one. And so when you do that, you, you're irritating the people that are around you. Now. If somebody said to me, well, if you don't like it, Roger, then drive, then I would say to you, actually, that's a great idea, <laughs> right? And so, like, I, I don't know what what's to be done about that. I really think it really comes down to common decency. Like, you know, I'm not going to go on and on about public phone calls here, but you should not ever take a phone call in a confined space. If you take a phone call where there are other people around you not talking – you should you should just politely leave the room and go and do your thing, but but we don't do that anymore. Like we're not a culture that that does that. And so I just I, I look at it and I say, there's there's a long list of reasons why people don't like to take the train, and what you might think is petty, most people would say that's a that's a deal breaker for me. So like I like sport as much as the next person, except for hockey, obviously, as has been outlined at the first 20 minutes of this podcast. But if I get on the the C train, I don't want to be next to somebody who's been playing sport for 38 straight hours without any consideration for their own personal hygiene. And if you say, well, Roger, you're just going to have to get used to that or drive, I will say, hey, drive, great idea. 
Well, and it's it's for me, it's that same argument as the whole, uh, you know, oh, well, you know, if you lived in this community, you could just take transit all the time. You wouldn't need to own a car and that kind of thing. And I just keep thinking to the number of times where I've been at work and all of a sudden something comes up and now I need to get to this place or, oh, uh, plans have changed. Can you go pick up our child? Or, you know, there's so many times where my car has been essential to me. And yeah, we could do car to go or this or that. But the people who are like, oh yeah, no, you don't need that. You don't need that. Maybe you don't need that. Maybe that's the thing, right? Yeah. Maybe we're not all exactly the same. Yeah. I don't want to talk about needs either. I'd much rather talk about wants, right? Because I I don't think that, that like the, that um, using Calgary Transit your compulsion should be some overwhelming desire to take public transportation. Like you should just, you should either do it out of necessity or cause it makes good sense to do it. But it's like, you know, I will take my car places because I want to take my car places. So I might not need to drive to fourth street and 23rd Avenue for my appointment tomorrow afternoon, but I'm going to because I want to do it. <laughs> And you know, I'm going dri- to drive past the number three, by the way. While I'm driving there, I will pass a bus that's going where I'm going. And when I pass that bus, do you know what I'm going to do? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> See, now, having said that, it's my wish that, that most Calgarians would start taking the LRT to get downtown. I would love it if... 80% more people started taking the LRT downtown because it's just less traffic for me to deal with. Dave, that's unreasonable. Why don't you just make it 80% of Calgarians on your route? <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. I agree with that too. Yeah. I, yeah. You know what? The, the, the LRT or the bus, they uh, they won't pull over at McDonald's to get an Egg McMuffin if you suddenly decide you're hungry on the way downtown. <laughs> that's very true. The... the um, my car will always do that if it needs to. <laughs> you know, I, I saw I was walking to Starbucks last week, had a meeting with a friend of mine at, at like eight o'clock, and um, the the bus was pulled over at the stop, and the door was open, and the bus driver had gone in to get a coffee, and the bus was full. Like the bus had a lot of people on it, and all I could think to myself was, uh, is this by definition? negligence of city property, <laughs> right? Like I'm not cracking on it. I know everybody does it and stuff, but I just sort of looked at it and it's like, in what business could you say, Oh yeah. Um, yeah. I just kind of left the, uh, the, the $200,000 machine running with all our customers inside while I went and grabbed myself, you know, a, a, a non-fat latte or something like that. I thought you were going to complain about them, like not getting going. I was like, oh, maybe it's one of those time stops, right? Where they have to wait until a certain time. But no, you're right. Yeah, no, it's fine. Uh, nobody, nobody's going to steal that bus. That time that speed. That time stop is also the worst thing too. I mean, I guess I get it. You got to keep the, you got to keep to a schedule, but who are they kidding? They're never keep to a schedule. Like just keep that thing moving. Let's go. Especially in rush hour. Oh, there's a bus every eight minutes. Like I've been at the, I've been on the bus and the guys are like waiting, looking at his watch. Okay. Now we can go. And I'm like, why didn't you just go? And then the next one would be in nine minutes and nobody's day would be any different. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Uh, You know, we should have, uh, 
I should have my buddy Will on. Uh, he's a graduate student who deals with uh, urban planning and uh, transit and that kind of stuff. I think uh, you might have talked to him back in your day as well, but uh, we should have him on. We should talk a little transit. He can set us straight about our opinions about city transit. Well, I, I think that the city should find ways to, you know, you talk about the Beltline, right? And people like the Beltline because it's conveniently located near a whole bunch of cool stuff. You know, so it's like if you want to go to the Beltliner for breakfast, it's in the Beltline. Like, the, like I get it. You've got amenities going on in your really cool neighborhood that I don't have. But at the same time, I don't have people sleeping on my lawn, which I think is kind of nice. So, um, you know, you take the bad with the good. Oh, Roger, you're just going to have to deal with that if you want to. Like, no. <laughs> so, um, but my point is, is that uh, I, I look at the transit arteries and transit corridors, and it's like, you know, on the South Line, right? There's 39th Avenue Station. And it's basically like, it's, it was an accident. Like, you know that they were building the C-Train line and then a whole bunch of bricklayers and, 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 and cribbers were like working on the 39th Avenue Station one time. And the foreman came along and goes, what the hell are you guys doing here? I'm like, oh, we're building the platform, boss. Like, why are you building one here? I'm like, well, boss, we thought there was a platform to be built here. No! But they were already like three quarters of the way done, so they finished it, and now there's a bu- there's a train stop there. So it's I just look at the C train line, particularly in the south, and I say, why are you guys not like? Why is every train station not a ten story building with stuff in it? That would make more sense to me. Well, indeed, but you could ask the people at the Westbrook Library how they feel about that too, right? Because this is the other problem now is that the LRT is warm and uh, free if you decide it is. And uh, so now you get a lot of people that are just hanging out in the trains, those people you were talking about earlier. And now they're uh, they're heading out of downtown. Hey, let's go check out this place. It's a new neighborhood. <laughs> they haven't laid around in this one for a while. So. Um, so, you know, speaking of the Westbrook train station, right, um, there is – that's where like there's a there's like an office building for Calgary Transit over there. Right? Okay. Peculiarly, there's a parking garage there. <laughs> I believe I've made my point. <laughs> well, and we talked about the whole concept of you know, the uh, the changing fare, right? We talked about this in one of the earlier episodes where, you know, like in uh uh, San Francisco, if you're riding from this station to this station, it's going to cost you this much. If you're going to ride further, it's going to cost you more. Yeah. Um, we don't have anything like that here, but my, my argument at the time was, well, Hey, I live way out in the boonies. Do you want me to ride that LRT? Make it cheaper for me, right? Should cost less to come all the way out to the edge of town. Those guys who, uh, riding it from sunny side to downtown, you should be able to walk. You should be able to ride your bike. You should be able to take your, uh, your parasail, whatever the hell you're doing these days. Cause you keep badly going on and on and on and on about how great it is to live so close to downtown and how you're so much better than everybody else. Well, great. Don't ride Calgary transit then just walk. Right. <laughs> but guys like me, I'm the guy you want on the train because I'm taking my car and I'm driving it for half an hour. I'm adding to your parking problem. I'm adding to your traffic problem. I'm adding to your pollution problem. You want to make that go away, make it worth my while to get on the train. And now you're solving your problem. See, but you already pay more to drive than that guy pays to drive from the, from Sunnyside into downtown. Yeah. Right. Because uh, you pay more taxes on your fuel. Well, presumably, if you have the same fuel efficiency in your vehicle, uh, you drive the same car. But I don't know. I mean, like the thing I like about that San Francisco model is you pay for the track that you use. 
so that if you are using, you know, if you're going ten, if you're going ten stops, you pay a dollar. If you're going two stops, you pay twenty cents. I I think that's yeah. a, a much more democratic model. I like I prefer that. Yes, I agree. But are you just saying but, that there should be more incentive other than the the notion that you're getting somewhere faster and and more comfortably? I think it's great to say, hey, you should ride the LRT from the edge of town, from your Tuscanies and your Royal Oaks and your what's on the south end of town, Bridal Woods, you know? It's great to say that, but if you made it more worth people's while, if instead of guilting them, if you gave them an incentive, if you made it worth their while to do it, they would do it. Yeah. It's that negative versus positive, you know, traffic calming thing, right? I hate the negative ones, love the positive ones. Yeah. Don't don't give me negatives. Don't make it harder for me to do something or don't make me feel bad for doing something. Make it easier. Make me feel good about doing something and I will do it. That was one of the uh the things that um Nenshi uh said when he came into power in 2010, I guess that would have been, right? When he said that, look, if you elect me, I'm going to take these um pay parking machines out of the LRTs. Like there's, you shouldn't pay to park at a C train station, and he said he would smash it with a sledgehammer. But then he very prudently said, "I don't think that uh, destroying municipal property to the tune of twenty thousand dollars is a good thing for a new mayor to do." So I will not do that. I'm dubious that Nenshi would be able to wield a sledgehammer. <laughs> you know, I feel badly that, like I earlier in the podcast when I said the, uh, I, I, I recalled what someone had said about the mayor on my on the phone to me uh, and i used a word that is not um, a kind word um i don't th- i'm not apologizing for that by the way i meant to use it and I, I used it for the proper effect so you're welcome but i just think that it's like uh i, I said that particular word to illustrate the point that was out there and i think it's dangerous to uh to not use the language that other people have used do you know what i mean like, I think it's, I, do. I think it's bad to to uh, try and soften their words when uh, uh, because it doesn't it doesn't have the same impact it doesn't convey the same message so that's why I use that word all right so that was weighing on your mind then and now that we're talking about Nenshi again you well you I just circle back I just felt like addressing it because you know in the event in the rare event that somebody chooses to pull that clip and take it out of context now we've got it on record that later on in the same podcast I said this. Because people like to do that, and I hate it. And it's just like you are you are throwing a Molotov cocktail into the middle of, of debate when you try and just pull a short clip and take it out of context. It is absolutely sabotaging intellectual activities. Well, yeah, and absolutely. And, and it would be very easy to play the clip and say, Roger was quoting the person who called into his show. This is not Roger's opinion. If it was Roger's opinion, it's his podcast, and I guess that's okay. We're all about strong opinions and loosely <laughs> holding them. So I'm I'm not saying yeah. that is your opinion. Now I'm making it sound like that is. No, it's not. not. I, th- I thought it was funny, by the way. The mayor was asked by I think a Toronto Star reporter if he's gay, and he his answer was, "I get why you'd say that when you're this good looking and single at my age." And I thought that was like a really good way to handle that. It's kind of funny. That's great. I like the fact it's like what? Who cares? You know. Someone was uh, talking in the in the uh, the stadium debate. Someone was like, "Well, how many times have we seen Nenshi uh, at a hockey game? Huh? I know I've seen other politicians there." 
And I was like, well, I, I don't know off the top of my head. My guess would be he's been there when he needed to be there. If there was some sort of city function or a celebration or something like that, I'm sure he was there. Does he like to go to hockey games? I have no idea. And honestly, does it matter? No. It doesn't. Like I, I know he likes theater because I know he's been to uh, Loose Moose a number of times, and he's often talking about arts and culture in the city. He likes to go to theater. He doesn't like go to hockey. It doesn't mean he doesn't support the hockey team. It doesn't mean that he doesn't support the city of Calgary. Uh, like I think when you start personalizing things like that, that's just ridiculous, right? Who cares? Hey, by the way, I drove by the um, the uh, what is it called? Beaufort Towers. There, the the thing up on. Highway One and by oh, yeah, COP, yeah. yeah, the public art. And I don't know what all the complaining's about. You know, I think that if you've got leftover building materials, <laughs> you might as well do something clever with them. Um, no, but I was, so, as, as I drove by that, I thought of this. Hang on, I just want to get this point out. I thought of this, and it was basically um, people, if you, t- if you tell people that, that that's art, then they want to, people want to be able to identify with or interact with something. And that's really hard to identify with or interact with. You know, if it, you know, like if, if it was a giant paper mache dinosaur, I think it'd be more well received because people could identify it or, or interact with it. But it's just so bloody alienating. And I drove past it for the first time today and saw it with my own eyes. And I was like, that's really underwhelming. You see why people are pissed off. And I, the, the, but the big takeaway is this. And this is what I would do if I were the mayor. I would just say, let's not have a, a 1% or, or to a cap art budget for all public works. You don't need art at an interchange. We don't. Have that money instead go to beautification or some sort of a public good, like looking after homeless people, like you've got to make a contribution to a homeless shelter. But we don't need artworks at every single public installation. However, something that would be really nice up there would be wonderful trees along the side of that road or like some some sort of, uh, I don't know, like landscaping you know, like in that area. And I don't think that too many people would disagree with the notion that if you want to put up a giant concrete structure, you've got to also make it aesthetically pleasing. You got to beautify it in some way, shape or form that has to be reflected in the budget. Well, and ab- absolutely, a hundred percent right. Um, we, we talk about the, the, what is it? The salmon or the fish on the, right. on uh, what is that? On the Glenmore, Glenmore? Causeway. Yeah. I yeah. Like that, yeah. So you could have done something like that there, right? Or you have some sort of, you know, pillar or something like that going up there. You're absolutely right. Didn't have to be what it was. Part of the problem is that they have to spend X amount of dollars, right? And in the case of a $72 million interchange, it's $500,000, right? That's the cap. So I, I think they've they've now suspended the program, or at least for the time being. I think I don't know if it's election motivated, perhaps, <laughs> but they've suspended the program. They're going to rework it and figure it out. So hopefully it'll... I mean, again, I, my concern in all this way back when, and I even said this was that what I don't want to happen is a couple of bad, you know, black eyes like this cause the end of the public art program. And suddenly we decide we don't want to have public art because we should. Yeah, we should. Um, but we've clearly done it wrong. Yep. You know, and I think that that's kind of goes back to what we were saying earlier on. It's like, I think it's great. There was nothing fatal about this. We have some weird art around the city that will constantly be a point of discussion and we can look at it and go, hey, you know, that's not the best way for this city to handle its artistic expression and its beautification projects. So uh, let's find something else. Absolutely. All right. My clip is empty. 
Yeah, and mine is as well. <laughs> Don't you mean your magazine, Dave? My magazine. I've read the whole magazine start to finish. <laughs> we had a comment on Twitter, on my Twitter feed. While we're on the subject of Netflix, you and Roger need to stop besmirching Fuller House on your podcast. It's a quality program. That came from Julie. Yeah. Uh, I have uh, nothing to say to that. I don't think I need to. Um, uh, I don't think I need to justify my besmirchment of the program Fuller House. Hey, thanks so much. Uh, you know, we ask you for this from time to time, but if you could um, give us a, a five star rating and a, a review on iTunes or wherever you go to purchase your podcasts, I say that like they're not free. Uh, that means a lot to us. It helps other people uh, discover this podcast, the National Talkie League, and of course, word of mouth, sharing it with your friends if you like it, means a lot to us as well. I would like someone to write a review uh, using the word superficial just for us. If you could write a review uh, and you can phrase that however you like, but I want to go to the iTunes reviews and I want to read two or three of them that have the word superficial in them. And then I will laugh when that happens. That is what I would like to see. If you want to use the voice recorder on your iPhone or whatever you use on an Android uh, device to ask a question, please mail it to, email it to mail at nationaltalkyleague.com and uh, we might play your question in an upcoming podcast episode like we did with Eric Wilhites tonight. And speaking of upcoming podcast episodes, we have an overtime in the uh, chamber. The clip is empty, Dave, but there's one in the chamber. Uh, and it's a really, really interesting interview uh, about, well, let me say this. It's about gardening and why if you really care about the people around you, you'll eat more beef. Perfectly said, Roger. <laughs> Perfectly said. So look for that on uh, Thursday in your podcast, uh, Hopper, uh, the chamber, as it were. All right, Takis, thank you for uh, hanging out with us. It's been a blast. As always, we love you guys. Uh, and uh, keep the uh, suggestions and the uh, comments coming in. You've been listening to the National Talking League. Show notes from this episode can be found at nationaltalkingleague.com. Support for this podcast comes from you. Please share it on social media. Give a five-star review in your favorite podcast store. And connect with us on Facebook. On behalf of Roger Kincaid and Dave Ware, thank you.